Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey, and I'll be your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, November 28, 2021. The share ID numbers for Friday, November 26, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,144. That's 18144. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,145. That's 18145. This morning, A Vision for You presents Restored to Life with Grace and Dignity. The 12 steps serve a specific purpose. According to Bill W., the 12 steps are a group of principles spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. In other words, the 12 steps can keep us, as compulsive overeaters, abstinent and happy. The 12 steps are introduced in Chapter 5 of the AA Big Book with these words, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Our path is the 12 steps. We have embarked on a program that will restore us to sanity, restore our lives so that we can be happy, joyous, and free. That restoration, however, depends on our application of the 12 steps and requires sustained and personal exertion to conform to their principles. Armed with a set of spiritual tools in the form of the 12 steps, we can now face and effectively handle the challenges of life that had once overwhelmed us. More than that, we can achieve serenity and enjoy a life restored with grace and serenity and dignity. Joining us to share her experience, strength, and hope today is Shanna C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Shanna is committed to the 12-step path of recovery and to carrying this message of recovery. And it's with great appreciation and always a pleasure to welcome Shanna C. to the line. Good morning, Shanna. Good morning. Good morning. May I be heard? I hear you well. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much, um, uh, Leah, for the opportunity uh, to be of service this morning. And I want to introduce myself. I'm Shanna C. from uh, Tennessee, grateful, beyond grateful, recover compulsive overeater through God's grace. The 12 steps out of the big book, um, strong sponsorship. I've been able to uh, maintain abstinence. I'm sorry. I'm so, I get teary-eyed when I think about it because it's such a miracle for my life. I've been able to maintain abstinence since uh, September 29th, 2019. 
And um, like I said, it is a miracle for my life because there wasn't a day that I, I that I didn't compulsively eat. Um, this is how I know these things work. And this is how I know uh, that uh, there is a power greater than myself that cares and can do for me what I cannot do for myself. Um, so yeah, and that the whole that in essence that's that's what the twelve steps are about to enable me to find a power by which I could live. That's what the directions in this big book are about. Um, uh, eating was a symptom of uh, my lack of connection with that power, and um, once I found and was able to establish and maintain that relationship with the God of my understanding through these 12 steps, I haven't found it necessary to eat the way I used to. Um, and I couldn't be more grateful. Um, I'll, I'll begin a little bit of, uh, about myself. I grew up in a small town just outside of, uh, of Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, you know, I... I was the kid that, you know, the parents would get on to, hey, you're eating too much. Um, I remember being four or five years old and, hey, you know, you don't need that. Eat eat this instead of that. Or why don't you go play? Why don't you, you know, or, you know, you just want to sit and watch TV and eat, you know, this kind of thing. I was kind of picked on by my family. And I, you know, it didn't faze me too much until I got into elementary school. And um, it was then that, that I started notice, noticing that I was a little different. Whether that was fancied or real, I'm not sure, um, but at least I felt different, and I started comparing myself to other girls my age, and I was bigger. I'm naturally tall. Anyway, I'm five foot ten, um, and so, you know, five years, six years old, I'm, you know, I'm bigger than a lot of the girls, and definitely more of the boys, and and I felt bigger, and I felt different, and, um, you know, and, and then... And throughout the years, you know, childhood and stuff, I mean, I love to eat. That's what I did. I, I ate. I don't want to say that I consciously ate for ease and comfort, but I did. I mean, looking back on it, um, at the time, I didn't know I was eating for ease and comfort. I was just eating. Um, sneaking food. Felt like I had to hide my food. Um, uh, things like that. And um, once I became older and of age... Uh, I want to say, you know, I became more and more and more aware that I, that I, I remember, I remember praying to God when I was probably fifth or sixth grade, hated, hated my body, hated who I was, hated where I lived, hated, I just, like Dr. Bob talks about, self-centered and ill at ease, restless, irritable, and discontent. Bill W. talks about, uh, I had that, I always had those feelings, and um, if I wasn't uh, eating too much, I was starving myself, it was one way or the other, um, and I thought that's, that, that, that was my only solution, you know, and then um, I remember being in sixth grade, finally, and uh, I, had a, I had a teacher, he, he was a you know, my sixth, my sixth grade homeroom teacher, and uh, we had a Halloween co uh, costume contest, and I remember being so proud of the costume that I was wearing. It was a little little devil outfit, a cute little thing, and with a skirt and all this stuff. And I was very chubby, and um, but I wasn't. I was never 
grotesquely obese. I was just the chubby kid, at least what it looked like on the out, outside. Um, and we, you know, it's one of those where you get in front of the class, the other classmates vote, this kind of thing. And I made it. I was one of the finalists in the in this little classroom uh, Halloween contest. And uh, I was standing up front, and I misunderstood the directions. Apparently, he had told us all to sit down period or temporarily. And when I didn't hear the direction, I didn't sit down. And he he said, "Sit down, fat girl." in front of the entire class. And uh, I remember the entire class uh, erupting in laughter and I remember sitting down and I started to cry. And I remember hating him. And um, from that point forward, uh, that entire year, I was Shamu the whale. I was under thighs and this teacher instigated most of it. Um, he got the other kids to saying things and you know that that was my that was my year in sixth grade um what's interesting though is i know now what it's like to be picked on viciously like that uh interestingly enough the year prior i ruthlessly picked on a little girl um in fifth grade she was a new girl uh she just moved into town she didn't know anybody um and i was a bully i was a bully to her and um I want to say, looking back, I got a taste of my own medicine the following year. And what's amazing is I can look back also now because I've worked these steps and I can see God's hand in my life, even when I didn't deserve it. Um, that, uh, but that sixth grade year, that uh, out of all of the people who were making fun of me, she was the only one who didn't. And she was my only friend. So... I can look and see the kind of love that God gives, and I see him demonstrating his love through that little girl. And that's one of the things that the 12 steps has done for me, is give me a new lens with which to look at my life. And see, I could see that my higher power was with me the whole time, even when I didn't think he was. Um, I'm uh, definitely a product of, of a lot of divorces. My mother, bless her heart, was married 10, time, ten times to eight different people. I had um, four father figures, one, two, three, four. By the time I was uh, um, hmm. by the time I was uh, 14 years old, Okay, and uh, sorry, my volume needs to come up a little bit. <clears throat> By the time I was 14 years old, I had four father figures. Um, and now naturally, that, that does uh, create some instability in a child's life. And um, I had, you know, like, like I said, a lot, a lot of emotional things going on within my family dynamic, but that's not the reason why I ate. Um, part of me for years wanted to blame my mom for how she was and my dad for not being what he needed to be and, and me being made fun of as a kid and me being different and all of this stuff on the reason why I ate. Um, looking back now, I see I ate no matter what. I ate when I was sad. I ate when I was happy to enhance the situation. I ate when I was bored. I ate when I was neutral. 
I ate because I ate, because I'm a compulsive overeater. <laughs> um, and what that means, um, and then I, and I did not realize, truly accept and realize until a couple years ago, was that I actually have a body that's different than that of a normal eater. Well, the reason why I felt so different is because I was different. I'm bodily and mentally different from a normal eater. A normal eater can take foods and, and, or leave them. You know, I take foods and I keep taking them. And I keep taking them. And what, what that looks like is I have, you know, a, a few bites of a, a few things that, that I really like or, or whatever. And then for whatever reason, something happens chemically within me that creates a craving for more and more and more. And I thought that food affected everybody that way and that the thin and healthy people were just somehow, they had either more willpower or they were smarter or whatever. I don't know more blessed by God and that this was just my lot in life to be the way I am. Um, and I had to deal with it. So I dealt with it um, all through high school. Um, well, I had started this, my seventh grade year, I'd started playing basketball and I grew and the weight fell off. And then instead of being the ugly duckling, by the time I was in eighth grade, I was tall, thin and being told how pretty I am and all of this so i didn't know i don't know you know whatever i still didn't fit in because by this time the the girls <laughs> the girls didn't like me anymore but the boys did and then all through high school um i played basketball i became by the time i graduated high school i was homecoming queen i was every senior superlative you could you could you know want to want to be who's who faculties who's who honor roll, uh, president of Latin club, you know, all of these things, uh, most voted, most athletic, offered scholarships uh, to play basketball um, in college, all this kind of stuff. But in the middle of that, I was also by then, um, I had been introduced uh, to uh, uh, laxatives and uh, that kind of thing um, by a friend. And I, I was doing that, I was, I was taking laxatives and diet pills to try to maintain and, and fix my mistakes with my with my eating is the only solution I knew. It was the, the eating too much and then okay, I'm gonna fix it. Um and so that's how that was my remedy. And then of course over exercising got into that too. Uh, and that continued on uh into college and um uh was introduced to other substances in college and um long story short uh I flunked out of college. I, the strict, you know, the high achiever, the the one everyone had all these hopes for, and I had hopes for myself. Um, I flunked out of college my first year, and it was all a result of having no spiritual connection and the substances, uh, especially the food, taking over. Um, so, yeah, and uh, I moved back in with my mom. Uh, that at the end of that year and then spent the summer working and went back to the community college uh, there in, in my hometown and was doing pretty good there but in the mid living in the midst of active um, addiction um, and within a couple of months after starting school my mother uh, was murdered uh, by uh, her ex-husband um 
and of course that sent me into a tailspin of all kinds and um yeah she had she had an ex-husband that, that was jealous and if he couldn't have her then no one else could i was born on my mother's belly button birthday january 22nd she and i shared the same birthday and um yeah so she died i ended up moving in with my mother i mean my, my mother's mom and i finished school and uh but I was dating dating the man I'm married to now, currently married to now. I've been married 23 years. And I have two children. Uh, but, you know, he and I were dating. And then shortly, I want to say about a year after, year, almost two years after mom died, uh, we got married. And I've been with him ever since. And he's been in the military. We've traveled um, and grew up together, basically. Um, and uh, in 2008, I'd hit a bottom and I joined another fellowship um, for another for another substance. All the while uh, struggling with the uh, with the food as well. But uh, when I joined this fellowship, I you know I was told that the food would straighten itself out. Just get get straightened out here. Work these steps, yada yada, and everything else will work out. You know God God cares about that too. And so I did that for years and. Um, Work the 12 steps, establish that relationship. I, you know, I was a big book with the God of my understanding. And, uh, you know, but still off and on struggling with the food. I joined a, a another food uh, fellowship that did the food plan and all of this stuff. And I lasted, I want to say this was in 2010. I lasted maybe six weeks. And I told my sponsor then, and I was like, I, I'm not ready for this. I, I can't do this. I didn't want to do this. My husband and I had separated, and then we'd gotten back together, and I absolutely could not imagine being unable to eat with my children. You know, it, it didn't occur to me, like, this is too restrictive, and this is this, that, and other. Um, I wasn't ready. I didn't know. I was confused. I, you know, being a part of another fellowship, I was being told, you don't need to join another fellowship for God to help you with this. This is just a matter of going to God and asking for the willingness and following the directions on whatever uh, path you choose as far as the food you eat and it felt like sacrilege to join another recovery program at least that's the way it was put to me and, you know and people in this fellowship well-meaning um I, there's not a doubt in my mind they were well-meaning because they were afraid i would relapse on the other substance um because food just wasn't as big a deal to them uh, but it was killing me, and I didn't know how to say that. Uh, but just, anyway, you had people that were not compulsive overeaters tell it, giving me direction. Like I said, well-meaning, so I was following it. So I was, I was confused. I don't want to say that I was completely unwilling, um, but I was, I was confused. I wanted to do it right, and uh, you know, and so I'm following directions that weren't mine. That's all. I, that's all I knew. So that's what I did for years, and then so I tried the dieting. I tried the the pain way, I tried uh, the uh, multi-level marketing stuff that you see online, uh, the shakes and the drinks and the this and that, and then you join in and you try to sell it. I failed miserably at those. Um, I tried all kinds of different things and praying the whole time and begging God, you know, help me to do what I need to do, you know, exercising, working, raising a couple of kids with a husband out of town, you know, and I just, I kind of adopted the idea that as long as I, Stay away from that other substance that the food's just not that big a deal 
you know, yeah, I struggle with food, but I, I'm not a compulsive overeater. I'm this other thing. Um, and uh, I tried uh, OA again. Actually, with, uh, I talked to one of my friends who was in the other fellowship who was a part of the Vision for You and OA. And I, I got desperate again, and I said, hey, can you help me? She said, I can't really help you, but call this line. It's, it's a Vision for You. Here's this number, and get on there and, and see see what's going on. This is in 2015, and I did, and uh, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're big book. Oh, my gosh, this is great. Like, I did big book stuff before, and it worked, and they're doing it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll try this. Got a sponsor. I want to say I was uh, started on the food plan, went through the 12 steps um, and all of that, uh, you know, and I want to say it lasted about three months four months. Looking back, I realize now that I hadn't fully conceded to my innermost self that I was a compulsive eater also. I thought I was just, you know, this other thing that had some eating issues and that maybe I could get some help from some of the people in OA. Um, after all, it's the same, you know, same God. He, he's here to help me, but, but, I, but my primary focus needs to be on this other program. Whatever, I, and, and all of this, with these, these were ideas that were coming to me from other people, and then you take that and you mix that in with my own self-will, you mix that in with my own fears and my own ideas, it, it, it becomes a distorted kind of mess. And so, anyway, I got to the point where I was like, you know, I just, this isn't, this whole food plan thing, you know, it's too restrictive, again, those ideas. And then I found another sponsor in 2016. I got desperate again. I called this other sponsor who was also Big Book. And she was one who was adamantly against food plan. Um, that you must trust, you know, God. And it's about working in steps and being a maximum service. All true stuff. And uh, so I tried that for a while. And I want to say I, I lasted about three years that way. Um and her thing wasn't about, it wasn't, the, her thing was the food plan doesn't keep you um, abstinent. You know, God's the one that keeps you abstinent, so therefore you don't need a food plan. You know, you just kind of eat and you, you're, you're praying and you're trusting God every meal. Well, I did that for about three years. The weight started creeping back on. Um, and finally, it it was, and I was so scared to even say to this sponsor, look, you need to, I, I need I need to get back to the food plan. I know that when I was on that food plan, at least then I felt clean. I slept better than I ever felt in my, slept in my life. I felt better than I ever felt in my life. My body, I wasn't so concerned physically about my body and how I looked. It was just so much better, at least physically. My mind, though, at the time was was, was just reeling. Because I hadn't fully surrendered. I hadn't really taken a step one. I just basically got on a food plan. And so this sponsor who was adamantly against food planning, <laughs> she was right in her own way and what worked for her. But, you know, like I said, after three years, I gained the weight back. And I was, I sat, I remember sitting down in, in my car, had a pair of jeans on, and I busted open the leg of my jeans. It wasn't even on a seam, for crying out loud. Like, you know, you expect a seam to burst. But no, this is like, the regular fabric. My husband laughed. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And I literally cannot fit into any of my clothing. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't, I mean, and so 
and here I was, I was speaking all over the place, you know, in Southwest Florida, in this other program, I was having miracles happen in my life and seeing God's hand at work in my life. I was taking other people through the steps. I was keeping those commitments and those meetings there. I was doing the deal, but the food was just like, it was kicking my butt. And I didn't know why, again, going back to other people in that program, I don't know how to fix this. Well, just do this, do that, like, again. Most of them were not compulsive overeaters. They didn't think about food the way that I did. They didn't understand it. Um, they're like, well, so what if you gain a few pounds? They're, they're fine with that. I wasn't. I couldn't deal. Um, and here I was. I felt like such a hypocrite. I wasn't a hypocrite. I was just confused. And I wanted to do better but didn't have the power to. And I finally said, you know what? On a Sunday morning, I was on my knees. I said, God, you've got to help me. I'm I'm miserable. I don't know what to do. And here I am. I, everything I just shared with you, I shared with God. And uh, all of a sudden, the thought came to my mind, get on a vision for you. Oh, I just followed it. And it was, it was a sunny morning, and a woman was talking. And I heard her talk, and I was like, oh, my God, this woman's reading my mail. And I finally decided, you know what, food plan, no food plan, whatever I need to do, I, I can't live like this anymore. And um, I listened to her talk, and after it was all over, she, um, I called her. I wasn't expecting this awesome person on this talk. Like, she's like, oh, my God, I'd hear you guys talk on the, on the special edition. I'm like, these guys are saints. Like, these guys are something. I mean, seriously, if you had told me two, three years ago that I would be on this line talking to you people, about my experience and that I would be absent at this long, I would, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, but anyway, this, this woman um, answers her phone and it just so happened she uh, had an opening for a sponsee that week, just that week. And uh, she took me through the 12 steps as outlined out of this big book. You know, we started reading together, um, had, me, had me do some assignments. Uh, I got on a food plan, thank you, God. Um, and my food plan is really simple. I'm not going into the details of it, uh, but it is, um, you know, it's it's for me and it works for me. And um, I send her my food plan every night. I do my nightly review every night. Um, uh, we have a weekly call you know, depending on circumstances and events that, that are going on. And I get on a vision for you and I share. And I'm uh, at this point now um, able to sponsor and help people as best I know how by sharing my experience and taking people through the big book, um, my, you know, myself, like it was, like I was taken through. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, since, uh, since getting abstinent, it's been absolutely life-changing um to be food neutral to have that have that food put down on that paper and sent in and making that commitment and um relying on god and that's the number one thing that i that i do that i wasn't doing before number one is i'd fully conceded to my innermost self that i am a compulsive eater that i have an allergy of the body meaning once i put those um 
alcoholic foods into my body. I cannot stop once I start. My own experience throughout the years show, has shown that. And then it would be easy if I just never ate it, if I could just not take that first compulsive bite. But the problem is, is I don't have the power to not take that first compulsive bite because of the way my mind is wired. The way I've thought about it for years, the way I've dealt, you know, it's, I'm absolutely powerless over that compulsive thought. I cannot manage the decision to not take that first bite. So that's step one. And so um, what that looks like is, oh, I'll just have a couple of this and that, you know, after so long of not eating it, then I can have a couple and I'll have a couple and it's like, well, I may not necessarily have the entire bag of that, but I'll move to something else and then I'll move to something else. And then the next thing you know, I'm, I'm doing what I've always done and what that may look like for, for someone on the line, that, that, that's what it looks like for you. I won't get into the specifics, but I cannot stop once I start. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me insanity. Well, step two was my sponsor was abstinent, and she was so much like me. And she was saying that this worked. She had she had like over 20 years of this, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Um, <laughs> not one time have you eaten any of your alcoholic food, and she's like, nope. Oh my God, God's way bigger than I ever thought, you know. So I came to believe that this could work for me too, and I gave my will in life over yet again. Um, I don't believe that that all of the work that I'd done in in the steps and stuff prior was null and void. I believe that God, and I was always told, you know, God will take care of this food thing for you in His timing and in His own way for His purpose. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, at the time. But I believe that's exactly what has happened. I believe that all the prayers that I prayed up until that point were answered that day. That day I'd hit a bottom. And I believe that day that I called that sponsor, that obsession was removed. God did that for me. But I had to continue that by following the specific directions out of this book and be willing to expand my ability to help other people because other people like me are suffering too. There are other people that have this other substance thing going on that also do food too you know, that are addicted to food too, you know, and so I'm able to help in that way also, and it's amazing. Um, and so, yeah, did the fourth step, did it exactly out of the big book. I was so thorough. I, I couldn't even imagine uh, that, that a fourth step could be so full, even though I was living in 10, 11, and 12 prior um, and doing the nightly reviews and doing all this stuff and praying. But nonetheless, more was revealed, and thank God for that. And I was able to admit this stuff uh, to my sponsor, and I did. I became entirely ready to have God remove the defects of character, which at that time, looking at it, was a lot, a lot, a lot of fear of people, terrified of people and what they think. So, so much of um, a lack of humility that I, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, but yes, fear of people and dependence upon people ahead of dependence upon God. And I didn't realize that I ate over that. Um, um, and so I made a list of all these people and I, and, you know, I started praying for them and I made amends where I could and still do. And today I live and I continue to take that personal inventory when these things crop up. A lot of it is a fear, again, fear and uh, placing a, uh, dependence upon people ahead of dependence upon God. Um, the self-centeredness and the arrogance that comes from, from 
assuming I know what people think are thinking and, and just making all that stuff about me, ego, comparing myself to other people. Um, I'm able now to not have to sit in that stuff and dwell and then it take me take me not only back to overeating but to taking my phone frustrations, my fancied my own ideas that I'm reacting to physically that I create and make up in my own mind that have nothing to do with reality. To be able to be aware of that stuff when it's happening that I was never aware of before, be able to go to God with that and say, God, I, I'm doing it again. It's happening in my head and I'm powerless over I need you to I need you to direct my thinking. Um, here and, and I'm able to admit that, you know, send a, a quick text or call my sponsor and say, hey, you know, I'm comparing myself to these other people and this is ego and it's arrogant and I don't want to be this way and I'm asking God to remove it. And then they're like, yeah, it's, it's selfish. It's ego. You know, go help someone or get out of yourself and enjoy what it is you're doing and being present. Yes. And I get to see that and I don't have to be in that funk um, even if I'm not overeating, even if I follow my food plan perfectly, if, if I'm if I'm ill at ease and self-centered, I'm not being a maximum service. I can't. But I, but the thing is, is I, I I come to realize I can't help but be that way apart from God. That is my nature. But God, in His grace and mercy, allows me access to to His love and His power in these directions, and I'm able to not act on those thoughts and not be that way. Uh, it is by no means perfect. If if my program depended on me being perfect, oh my goodness, it it, it wouldn't be here. Um, but my God is perfect. And um, as far as my fear of other people, you know, one of the things my sponsor said a few few weeks back said, you know, God doesn't have grandkids. And I'm like, oh my God, uh, light bulb. Uh, so if he loves me and he's willing to do all kinds of cool stuff for me to to keep me abstinent and show himself in my own life, he's willing to do that for the other people around me. So I don't have to be so afraid for them or of them. And I don't have to be in control of what they do. And since then, my family has changed. Like, has my husband said, you know what, I'm going to join OA now and I'm going to work the 12th. No, he doesn't want to do that. But he has seen what has happened with me. And he's been seeking the God of his own understanding. And his health has improved. He is eating so much better. And he's lost so much weight. And, you know, right around that time, the doctor, he was talking with his doctor. And the doctor said, look, dude, <laughs> you want to keep the career that you have, you better lose some weight, like lose a ton of weight or you're, you're pre-diabetic. And so he got on the horse. And now he's eating. He's very similar to what I do, but he's not, he's not you know, he has a God that takes care of him. My, my youngest son, just last week, um, sorry, was diagnosed with celiac disease. And for two years, he's seen me eating the way that I've eaten. So he knows it's possible. And I can be, I can be helpful in whatever way God would have me be helpful to him. You know, and um, other family members, one of the hardest things that I've dealt with in abstinence, of course, is turning down the uh, foods that other people prepare because I, you know, I want people to like me and that's so selfish. <laughs> I can laugh at it now, but just really buying into that idea that if I don't eat that person's food and how hard they work to prepare it, then that I'm being this horrible person, you know, and that's, that's that codependency. That's that putting people ahead of God. 
and so I've been able to rely on God through that and be able to, to say no and and let it be what it is and let them feel how they feel about it. And I don't have to be ugly about it. You know, I haven't been. But, I, but I'm the only one responsible for what goes in my own mouth, period. Um, and I have a disease that will that will convince me that I need to put as much of it as I possibly can in there. So I'm powerless over that, but thank you. But I'm I'm not hopeless. I get to go to God. He helps me every single time. My Heavenly Father has never let me down. Um, Big Book talks about how uh, God does not make too hard turns for those who earnestly seek. And if earnestly seeking means, you know what? I don't want to eat today. Whatever I got to do to not eat, you know, if I got to make phone calls, if I got to pray, if I got to follow that food plan, if I got to check in with my sponsor. You know, before I go here or there or whatever, then that's what I got to do. And I don't got to do it. I get to do it. How many times have I been in a social event and they're offering um, some sort of food or whatever that, that I can't keep my hands out of, you know, and wishing to God I could just eat one little serving like this person over here. And then there's that mind juggle, right? But that whole, I can't, one little tiny serving, that's not enough. So I'm not going to eat it. Well, maybe I can. Okay, I'll just try just a few bites, this and that, back and forth and back and forth. And then I get it. And then all, all I can think about is that getting more of it, hating myself that I ate it to begin with and wishing to God I could just not eat it at all. Well, I'm there now. I don't have to eat it at all. I'm I'm at a place now to where I used to be envious of people that could not eat the way that I was eating. But see, this thing is, is a, I've learned is truly a daily reprieve. God removes this obsession daily. And every morning I get up and I say, God, please grant me the, please keep me abstinent today and sane and sober. And please grant me the willingness and the ability to stick with the food plan and live by spiritual principles and stay in these steps and stay close to you and perform your work well. Thy will not mine be done. And I continue on with my prayer and meditation. And I read 84 through 88 in the morning. And throughout the day, I'm, I'm, I'm checking in with God a lot. You know, I'm praying thy will be done a lot. And if I have an emotional disturbance, I'm going to God with it. Not because I'm perfect and want a blue ribbon on my shirt, but because I desperately need the power. I need to stay connected to the to God of my understanding. He doesn't make too hard terms. I'm not white knuckling this stuff, but I get to go to God and rely on Him. And when stuff I can't quite shake, you know, I'm able to call, contact my sponsor, and she helps me. And I love my sponsor so much. My God, she's so pragmatic, and it just she's exactly who I needed, and still uh, so helpful so pragmatic and just a simple boom boom gets me out of my head um it's a dangerous place to be so um so yeah that uh i get to do that and i get to show up at meetings with a solution um i get in not that i can fix anybody i'm still just as powerless over over stuff today as i was when i walked in um i don't have the power to keep myself absent god is doing this for me i don't have the power to make my own life better god is doing it for me and it's not just for me it's so i'm learning more and more um the being a maximum service isn't that i do everything perfect it's so that i become real and transparent 
so that people who are looking for some hope can see that there is a God because they can see how messed up I truly am. Um, and, and well, if he can help her, there might be some hope for me, you know, and, um, and so that others are helped so that, that God is shown to be real and that others are truly helped. And I pray for humility every morning because um, God knows I need it. I don't have it uh, left to my own devices. I'm, I'm very prideful and arrogant. <laughs> I wake up every morning a compulsive eater, selfish and self-centered. What am I going to do for me, even with the best intentions? You know, that's another thing that I've learned to see, too, is even though I'm trying to do the right thing and do well, if I'm trying it, if it's my idea, I don't, there's no power in it, even though the intentions are good. So I must uh, stay connected to God. And, and, and man, it's so much easier. His plan is so much better. If I can just relax and take it easy and not struggle, which I'm able to do because the directions say I am. 84 through 88, talk about that. You know, when agitated or uh, uh, doubtful, we ask God for the right thought or action. Um, and thinking about our day, we may face a decision. We may not be able to determine which course to take here. We ask God for inspiration, intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. Um, we don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God is not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Boy, is that ever true. Thank God I haven't had to eat over it. <laughs> but, you know, I learned now that I get to be wrong, which is one of, used to be one of my biggest fears is, oh, my God, what if I'm wrong? What if everybody knows I'm wrong? What if, what if I get embarrassed? It's, you know, now I get to be wrong because I understand that I have a mind that is broken. But yet, by connecting with God, God does in and through us what only he can do you know i don't have to rely on my broken thinking well to, to understand that to acknowledge that my mind is broken is one thing that awareness is huge um and that itself didn't even come from me that came from becoming broken and desperate and begging god for help and having people like in this fellowship they're able to to know you know they've been there and done it and i can learn from their experience so 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 none of this has come from me it's come from god it's come from other people so who am i to be arrogant <laughs> right so um anyway i get to be wrong um and i get to rely on on ideas that are way better than mine now um and i get to be real i get to be helpful i get to share this stuff but i don't have to share all my deep dark stuff with every single person on the planet. It, you know, I get to share this stuff with a, with closed mouth understanding friends. You know, when it's helpful. You know, I don't have to be the foolish martyr that that lays themselves out there for the whole world to to judge and whatnot. Um, I get to help people who ask for it. I don't have to force anything on anybody. And the biggest burden that has been lifted off of me is I don't have to be. <sighs> I don't have to be the judge and the jury of my own life or anyone else's anymore. That's God's job. And God is way more merciful, way more merciful than I could ever be. And that's the kind of God I want. I want to be, I want mercy and grace. 
you know, and when I'm not judging other people and I'm staying close to God, I get to offer mercy and grace to others. Doesn't mean I'm a doormat and let people walk all over me. Of course, there's guidance there too. And there's a, there's a when and how to give. And there's a way to um, respond to, to sick people. Um, you know, um, helpful and forgiving spirit, not a doormat. Uh, thank God, uh, you know, we, as God's kids, we don't, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. But yet we don't walk all over people either. Um, and maintaining that balance uh, involves staying in these steps on a day-to-day basis with that daily reprieve. Um, so yeah, that and like I said, my family's better. I get to I get to be of help to my children. They're seeing the miracle in me. Uh, I sleep better. I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. Um, maintaining a, a significant weight loss. Uh, wearing clothes I never thought I'd ever fit into, um, you know, able to go to all kinds of different places where I used to have to hide because I was afraid I would eat, um, and I was just afraid of people, you know, just afraid of being around people. Like, oh my God, you know, not knowing how to how to be among one among many. Um, truly, truly grateful to be here. Truly grateful for that Sunday morning when I was able to get on this line and listen to someone share their story. Um, Grateful for this big book, grateful for God and his mercy. Um, I think with that, I will will pass. I appreciate you guys uh, listening. That's all I have. Thank you so very much, Shanna, for this compelling and inspiring presentation. Thank you for sharing your remarkable story of transformation, truly miraculous indeed. The share ID for this morning, 18,151. That's 18151 for this presentation. Shanna's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll need to stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question and answer segment with Shanna. You can pose a question, questions only, by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Hi, this is Deborah B. from New Jersey. Deborah B. One moment, Deborah. Uh, one moment. Anyone else? Star one to unmute. Chris G. in Tennessee. Chris G. Melissa C. Melissa, gotcha. Okay. Shay, question now. One moment. Thank you for your patience. Okay. Anyone else want to get on this list? I'll take that Colleen as a no M. for now. I'm sorry? Colleen M. Colleen, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Deborah, go ahead. Everybody else, please mute. Thank you. Hi, Shanna. My question is, how have you expanded your spiritual life given all of your trials and challenges? Thank you. Hello. Oh, hey, Deborah. thank you for your question. Um, you know, 
Oh, God, grant me the words. How have I done this? <laughs> uh, continuing literally one day at a time, staying in the steps, doing the same things over and over and over. Um, it, it, it is God that's doing within me um, and, and, and creating that um, through outside circumstances that happen as things crop up, going to God, uh, talking with my sponsor, taking action um, based on a spiritual principle a day at a time. Um, it's almost as though life is molding me. Um, circumstances that continue to make me willing to believe, uh, continue to grow. There's been some pain, and with every ounce of pain, um, there's growth now um, versus before I would retreat. Uh, now, that I, now that I have some faith that, you know what, God helped me with this last thing that I went through, then maybe he can, then he's got this too. I was absolutely terrified to be on this line this morning. I've spoken all over the place in other fellowships. I've never shared anything like, you know, like this on this meeting this morning. I thought, oh my God, <laughs> what if I screw it up? Um, you know, this kind of all the stuff that goes through your head when, when you're relying on yourself instead of God. And so I was able to call, or I was able to, you know, pray again. I was able to tense that, tense up that fear and self-centeredness, um, and self-reliance. And you know, and ask God to remove my fear and direct my attention to what He had me be. And it says that once we commence to outgrow fear, and so He removed enough of my fear to be able to get on this line this morning. And I asked God for the words and the delivery, and He got me through it. And yet again, so you know, I don't have. I'm not get, I don't have the rules set in front of me. I don't have a have a, a road map, but it's literally day by day um following the guidance of the higher power and and being honest and that I get to be honest a day at a time. Um and that that's it. That's it. Taking life as it comes and understanding I don't have the answers. I don't have to have the answers. If that makes sense. I hope that helps. Thank you, Deborah. Chris G., your turn. Hi, thank you. Uh, this is uh, Chris G., and um, I wanted, I, I, you did such a good job of, of describing uh, even like when you were in high school and your body was uh, a good size or you thought it was, how miserable and confused you were. And I, I wanted, when, when you're helping somebody, and they're just focused on the food, 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 food. How do you get past that to focusing on um, uh, God instead of focusing on food? And that's my question. Good question. Yes. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, you know, I, I just, I literally just share my experience. Um, I myself was focused on the food even when attempting uh the first uh few times in OA I did not realize how focused on if I could just get the right food plan you know what is it I'm supposed to eat and you know I was told to pray about it and then of course that you know I, I was so focused on eating the right foods or, or whatever so that if someone were to ask me what I was eating then they're you know they're not going to judge me you know and on and on I didn't understand that um the connection 
to God was what mattered because there was a lie that I was believing that I had to fix myself first before God would help me. Um, and that only, that desperation, that willingness to not worry about the food came, came when I hit that bottom before I called here. Like it was a different kind of bottom. It was, I don't care what I have to do. And that happened internally. And I think that was the disease at work within me. Um, the disease, uh, the, you know, food was a great persuader and by then it had worked in me. So I don't have the power to convince someone of anything. All I have been given has been the ability to carry a message for people who are ready and I just share my experience. Um, if, I, if, it, if I'm trying to convince someone of something, then that's me forcing my will and I don't have power to do that. So um, I hope that helps. Thank you, Chris G., for your question. Melissa C., your turn. Hi, good morning. Good morning. You have to fly to Columbus and then come back. There's a lot of background Boston. Yes, there is. And then we have to go pick up Rachel. Um, I don't know yet if we're going to go straight to Canada then, Dad, because... Okay, we (laughs) attended to that. Go ahead, Melissa C., Star one to unmute Melissa. Hi, thanks. Yep. Um, thank you so much for your share. That was really it was beautiful, and um, I got a lot out of it. And I'm thinking specifically your, um, you know, that that the terrible tragedy that occurred with your mom, and um, you know, and I'm just deeply sorry for that. But how is it that you? And I hear this a lot with people, so I just it could be helpful how did you then you know have this because we have to have this idea that God is good that we have to have at least for me and I'm wondering how is it that you could reconcile some tragedies like that to then come to have this trusting relationship with a God that is ultimately good thanks I'm so glad you asked that oh that's such a huge part of my story, and I'll, I'll gladly share it. Um, okay, so for years, mom, you know, mom, I was 19 years old when my mom was killed, and um, the best I could do at the time to deal with it at that time, because I had no program, you know, I had a, I had a, a kind of a vague belief in God, um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it was the prayers of the people around me and my family that got me through that time because it certainly wasn't me because I was all I saw all only thing I did was just force myself to go get up every morning and go to school and I focused you know zeroed in on that um, at the time and I went to school and again I was in the midst of active uh, disease um, addiction you know you, you name it drug of choice was whatever whatever you got um kind of thing but anyway uh and of course eating and and that after that time my my primary focus really was starving myself you know i was constantly obsessed with losing more weight losing more weight losing more weight um and controlling and enjoying my food that was my solution and it worked for a while during that time it worked it wasn't a good solution. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's that's what I did. 
So to have made it through that time, during that time specifically, is only through God's grace, I believe, and the prayers of those who loved me and cared about me and, and prayed for me when I couldn't pray for myself. Um, so there's that. So once I got into a 12-step fellowship years later, um, my my date, recovery date on getting in there is, is on October 13th, 2008. It just so happened to be then the 10-year anniversary of my mother's death. I didn't plan that. So that in and of itself was God showing up for me. Um, the fact that I share the same belly button birthday as my mother and my recovery date in that other fellowship where I first hit that first rock bottom is on the very 10-year anniversary of my mother's death. You know, that showed me that, that God then was rewriting my story. Uh, that day, October 13th, doesn't, used to for years, was a uh, day that I would dread. Now it's no longer a day that I dread. It's a day that I get to celebrate. And I get to think of mom, right? But while in that fellowship and, and going through the steps, you know, the, the big book talks about how um, with a person that we resent, nevertheless, we take the bit in our teeth. Um, kind of thing, uh, the person we dislike, we get, we go to them, you know, you know, they may have caused us more harm than we had caused them. Nevertheless, we resolutely look at our own mistakes and, and all of that. And so the guy that murdered my mother, you know, I knew him, you know, he was my stepdad. And there are plenty of times throughout our relationship prior to that tragedy that, that I was selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened, inconsiderate, and all of these things. And so, I was able to do my homework on that and look at my part in that resentment, and um, I was able to make an amend to him. Uh, he, was in, he's, he was in prison, and I was able to write him an honest letter. It was very short and sweet and simple. Um, it simply said, uh, I listed his name, it said, I'm sorry you're in pain, and I forgive you. And the reason for those words is because how many times should I have probably killed somebody driving um, when I shouldn't have been driving? under the influence, you know what I'm saying? Um, for whatever reason, even when I wasn't, didn't have a substance in my body, I was still absolutely in disease. And with my temper and with my disposition, I mean, I could have, I could have easily done what he'd done and I couldn't imagine living the rest of my life knowing I had done, I'd done that. And so I, I believe God had worked in me through those steps of compassion for someone even like that. So I sent him the honest letter and he wrote me back. And it simply said, look, I'm, I cannot believe you wrote me. I'm so surprised to hear from you. I'm so happy to hear from you. So the very day that I received your letter saying that you forgive me, this was my devotional I was doing that day. And it was a devotional, the spiritual literature he was doing. And he sent me a copy of it saying how, and that whole devotional was all about forgiveness, how you can't change the past, but you can move forward. So what God did for me was he showed me that God had already forgiven him for what he had done. Who am I to hold the grudge? See what I'm saying? That's how it was able to be reconciled. It wasn't me because I'm some saint. It was because if my life depended on my, my ability to let go of that resentment. And I followed, took the action. I saw God at work. And to this day, I have no hate toward him. Um, I haven't been in contact with him since. After all, he is a murderer. But... There's no, there's neutrality there with it. And I don't wish him harm anymore. And I'm so grateful for that. Thanks. 
Thank you, Melissa C., for your question. Colleen M., star one to unmute. Hi, this is Colleen M. from Maryland. Uh, thank you so much for your very powerful story. It's really uh, very moving. But my question is, um, how do you sponsor, if you could just kind of, you know, I'm interested in the um, the food, you know, how you deal with your sponsors with your food, with their food initially, and then, um, you know, how does that look like after you've gotten some of these sort of steps, do you continue to, to take their food? and um, so if you could share a little bit about that, I would appreciate it. Sure. Thanks uh, for your question, Colleen. It's Colleen, right? Okay. Uh, well, as far as I, I sponsor the way I was sponsored, you know, um, as far as the food goes, if someone, like for me anyway, it's if someone doesn't know, for instance, if they're allergic to a certain type of food or, or whatever, Basically, it's quite simple. It's quite simple, at least for me, anyway. The way I was taken through is I was told to make a list of all of the foods that I had um, that I had uh, overeaten on, binged on, foods that are difficult for me. So I made a list of all of that stuff. And uh, for me, the common denominator was a certain ingredient. So anything with those ingredients in it typically is not good for me personally. So it's really a matter of the, that person willing to be completely honest with themselves and about their own food and what, what bugs them, you know? Um, and uh, as far as the food plan goes, you know, my sponsor the first day had me send, the, send my food plan. And so over for me, over the course of time, I could look back and see what made me feel the best. Like when I was on, when I was eating a certain way, when did I feel the lightest and the cleanest? And that was me. And so those were the foods I would eat. And the, the quantities and all of that stuff, I, I do continue to weigh and measure. Um, and I do continue to abstain from, from those ingredients. And it's, it's not a diet. It's like, oh, my God, I don't have to do this anymore. Like, I don't have to feel that way anymore. Anyway, um, so, yeah, that's what I do. Uh, Today, I continue to send my food plan at night before I go to bed along with my nightly review. Um, but in the beginning, it was sending the food plan every day. Anytime there was an accidental change that needed to be made because it's something out without, you know, that wasn't within my control. After we're all we are human, you know, I made, an, made a point to text my sponsor. And, he, and it kept me honest. And the food plan is what I've learned, too, and the perceptive change, perception change that's happened hasn't necessarily been look at me, I'm so great, I'm sticking with the food plan. The food plan is more about keeping a commitment um, rather than being perfect. It's, okay, this is what, I, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I say I'm going to do, and I'm going to be able to and keep this commitment, right? And when I, it's about being honest. And I'm, a le I'm way less likely to start playing with the food and, 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 and all if it means I'm going to need to text my sponsor or call my sponsor or something. <laughs> want to have to do that he says you know what it is easier just stick with it and you know that neutrality happens I realize it's just food it's just nourishment I get to eat I get to enjoy it you know those minutes while I'm eating it and but it, my life isn't all about that I get to put that down and do things that I've always really wanted to do but didn't have the power to do so I hope that helps 
Thank you, Colleen M., for your question. Who else has a question this morning for Shauna C.? You can start one to unmute. I'll need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Uh, Tina L. Tina Randy L. B. I missed those last two. I'm sorry. Randy Susan B. Randy. Who B? Susan B. Susan, thank you. Susan Susan S. Susan S. P. Freya H. And Freya H. Okay, let's stop there. All right, everybody please mute except for Tina L. Hi, um, compulsive overeater. Um, how do you stay on the same rung of the ladder, um, not being better or lower than anybody when you're self-sacrificing for your fellow? Oh, that's thank you. That's a, great, that's a great question. Uh, the truth, I, I'm not on that same rung of the ladder all the time. I, I'm, I'm not. There are plenty of times where I'm emotionally on the inside. I, you know, I'm thinking I'm better than, you know, that, that, that ego is, is there. I'm not cured of, um, of ego. I, I will never recover <laughs> um, to the point of not needing God, and I'll never recover beyond humanness. Okay, so uh, the steps are are there, and when I when I'm when selfishness, dishonesty, not if, but when selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear crops up, you know, um, because it does happen. Like I said, I'm not cured. I'm in a human body. I'm a spiritual being living in a human body, and I have an ego. Um, when those crop up, I, I do, because I can feel the pain of it now. Um, I ask God, I ask God to remove it. It's, the directions are in 10, 11, and 12 on pages 84 through 88 in the big book. I do my best to follow those directions. You know, when they crop up, I ask God at once to remove it. Um, I discuss it with someone, you know, as soon as I can. Um, not everything is a major disturbance to where I need to, to call immediately. A lot of times I can go to God and see the error of my thinking, ask God to remove it and move on and, and do the next right thing. Um, you know, and understanding my powerlessness, you know, and I, I can, that I cannot see my blind spots, which is why, um, you know, I, God, God helps me see my blind spots circumstances, you know, bring out in me things that either are favorable or not so favorable. Um, and when the not so favorable stuff crops up, I get to take a look at that. And by processing that through the process of the 12 steps, I get to grow from it. And those dark, those things I'm most ashamed of actually become my greatest asset because with that, I can be more real and more helpful to my fellow humans. You know, I get to be that deflation is welcomed now, whereas before it wasn't. You know, again, the fear of being embarrassed, the fear of being wrong. That deflation actually sets me free. The ego deflation does. Um, and the more I can look at it that way, the more on an even keel I get. I don't have to react defensively, although there are times when I do. Um, but then, you know, if I mess up, there's an amend. I can make an amend. Not that I 
go around willy-nilly thinking, oh, well, if I mess up, I can make an amend. But no, in earnest, if I'm doing the best I can to stay close to God and and stuff, I, I'm going to understand. I'm going to make mistakes. Um, but if they're made in earnest, they won't drag us down. So I, re- I rely a lot on what the big book says, despite my feelings, you know, um, and, you know, understanding that God isn't a feeling that he's a fact um, and that my feelings aren't the end all be all to stuff, if that makes sense. That's it. Thank you, Tina L. Randy C., your turn. Star one done mute. Was that Susan B.? I'm sorry. I thought I heard a Randy C. Oh, yeah, but Randy G. Okay, uh, thank you, Randy. And then Susan B. will follow. Go ahead, Randy. First of all, I want to thank you so much for your um, show this morning. It uh, is quite honest and, and really got uh, to me. Um, I wanted to ask you, how were you sponsored on the 12 steps? Because um, I hear so much of the steps and the big book in your in your share and how that really changed your life. Were you done that? What, what, did you work with your sponsor on a daily basis? Did you work with her once a week or your sponsor twice a week? How, how did that work for you? Thanks for your question. Um, well, I, I think, I don't think there's a set rule on how to, take someone through as far as the, I don't know, the, the the outside stuff, you know, how many times to meet, how many times to call and all of that stuff. I think that kind of stuff works. Uh, you got to depend, it depends on people's work schedules and, and all of that kind of thing. I don't think there's a rule there. Um, as far as, uh, as I've been taken through, the bottom line is every time I've been, it's a big book is all I know. Um, since 2008, I've, I've been blessed, and I didn't ask for it. I've been blessed to be put um, in contact with people through circumstances or whatever that only did Big Book, um, and that's all I know, you know. Um, and this last time around uh, with uh, my my last OA, my, my current, no, my OA, hopefully last OA sponsor, um, <laughs> she took me through the Big Book, and how that ended up looking was for us, and like I said, this this is just for us and the way she, in, a, in her work schedule and everything else, I had a weekly call uh, where, you know, that was an appointment, appointment time where we would go through what we read um, or what I was assigned to read. We'd go through it together. We would talk about different things um, and took me through step one. You know, you know we just kind of went through it and we were trusting God the whole way. God was leading this thing. It wasn't us, like leading it um if that makes sense and uh we would read through the book together but in the meantime like between week to week i was given assignments um you know on each step and uh you know i wrote you know got to the point where we wrote out my fourth step we you know set a time and and did that and in the fifth step and everything and everything was really straight out of the big book everything she had me do was literally line by line out of the big book um 
Now, how that ends up looking on paper for different people, this is how it looks. But for us, how it, how it looked was just that. And, um, you know, and now at this point, once uh, I had that eight-step amends list, I had the list of people I, I had harmed or not necessarily owed direct amends to, but these were the people I were to pray for, I was to pray for, and uh, continue living, you know, living in, in the program and helping other people. And so 10, 11, and 12, what that looks like now is I still have my weekly call. I still have um, my semi-food plan every day. I do my nightly review which is part of my step 11, where I constructively review the day, go through and answer those questions, I send it to her. Um, it doesn't say in the big book, you gotta send your nightly review to your sponsor. It doesn't say that, but it helps me because I know um, that, that if I send it, I've, I've gotten it out. Um, I've gotten it down on paper and I've gotten it out and I've done it. Because I'm someone that, um, that that does better with a little bit more structure um, and it holds me accountable. Um, not, not a lot of people do that. Uh, but as far as, yeah, yeah, as far as that, that's kind of what it looks like for me. And then as things crop up, if I need to do a 10 step, you know, I'm able to call a sponsor and talk about it and then turn my thoughts to someone I can help. 10, 11, and 12 are just basically a, a condensed version of all 12 steps combined. You know, staying in the steps. And I, and I try to do the same thing with the, the ladies that I help. Yeah. I hope that helps. Thank you, Randy G. Susan B., your turn to pose a question. Do you mean Susan F.? I think Susan B. just went. Okay, go ahead, Susan S. Um, the earlier Susan asked exactly the question I was going to ask. But first, Shauna, thank you so much for your share. I still identify with it, and it's been so helpful, and I really do believe you're speaking the words that God would have you speak to us. And my question now is, what was different this past time that you came back to OA that made it the time that it stuck for you um, I don't mean to ask it so bluntly, but yeah, what was different? And that's my question. That, that's a great question. And I've often wondered that myself. The only thing, the only thing I can really think of really is that there was something inside of me that broke. Um, and I didn't, I didn't create it. It had to have been, like I said, uh, the food was a great persuader. And then for me on a personal level, I had literally gotten to that point where I realized no matter what I've done, tried, I feel like I had absolutely done absolutely everything possible to fix this thing. And I couldn't. And I, I mean, I'm talking in the, you know, in the other fellowship, I'm, I'm, I'm the big book thumper here, right? I'm the one that's, you know, I'm making my meetings. I'm keeping my service commitment. I'm carrying the message. I'm speaking all over Southwest Florida in speaker meetings. I'm experiencing the hand of God in my life, like those God shots where you cannot explain. I'm the one, you know, 
but yet I was struggling so much with the food at the same time, and I could not figure out why. So I have all of this behind me, I'm, I've, and I got to that point. I was like, I'm absolutely hopeless. I've got the relationship with God, so I'm eating. I don't know what else to do. I've tried every diet. I've tried praying. I've tried working the steps. I've tried being on a food plan. I've tried not being on a food plan. I don't know what to do. And it wasn't until that moment, I think then, that I realized I am a compulsive eater, and this is not going to stop unless God removes it. There's no human power that can take this from me. Nothing. And I think that happened on the inside. And it broke me. And I fully surrendered to my innermost self. And that was when I believe the obsession was removed. And it took a lot, I mean, it took me a long, it took me a long time, but it wasn't that God wasn't with me the whole time or that everything I had done in the past was wrong. It was, I think it happened the way God wanted it to, when it wanted it to, and it, I had to be completely convinced that no human power could help me and nothing, there's nothing I could do other than it's a complete defeat. And that's, I believe that's what happened. So, um, and it was then that I, I was able to, to to stick with it. Like, I understand today that I, I cannot, I cannot not overeat unless I'm connected to God. And that's it. Thank you. That was really helpful. Cool. Thank you, Susan S. I just want to check one more time. Susan B., Star one to unmute if you have a question. Okay, let's move on to Pete B. Hey, Pete, star one to unmute. Thanks, Leah. <clears throat> Uh, my name is Susan B. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm just going to PT, compulsive overeater, <laughs> recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And, uh, yeah, you know, asking a question so late is kind of difficult because everybody has kind of chimed in on what I wanted to ask. And then every time I thought about another clever question, it, it, it passed up. But I'll just give it a shot. I mean, first of all, just want to say that as far as the, 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 the presentation as good and as consistent with the literature that I've ever heard on any special edition. So fantastic job, and thank you for being so such a uh, an effective demonstration of your God's will, your God's love, and your God's way of life. Um, but what I will ask is, you know, you mentioned early on that there were there were elements of the other fellowships that that carried over into your recovery in Overeaters Anonymous. And you mentioned some of them before, so I apologize if this is redundant. But is there anything else that you think you may have missed, or can you talk about can you talk about what transferred versus versus not? Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Oh, hey, thanks, Pete, uh, for your question. Um, as far as what transferred, it, what transferred was the faith that I had received um, in working the steps in the other fellowship. It was, it's just real simple. It was the whole, you know, I established a relationship and a cod consciousness by working the steps um, and with the understanding that uh like the big book says um 
the solution to all my problems I could find in working these 12 steps. So as that, with that as a background, it enabled me to take a step into, it's, God is either everything or else he is nothing, right? And so it enabled me to um, step into OA and with that same kind of willingness of, and that same kind of faith of, you know, if God can help me with this other thing and all these other problems, then maybe he can help me here too. And one of the things even my um, sponsorship, sponsor in my other fellowship said, this is actually happening, Shanna, as a part of you being in 10, 11, and 12. You've established a relationship with God in the steps, period. Regardless of the fellowship that you're in, you have a relationship with God. He's everything or he's nothing. He's well aware of this problem you have in this area also. You working the steps in this area is not just going to free you. It's going to enable you to expand your ability to be helpful to even more people. And that's all blanket under the umbrella of 10, 11, and 12, if that makes sense. So that's kind of how it trans transferred in a, in a way. I had enough of mustard seed of a faith that it worked in this area, so this can work here, and God is everything, and so God, God's this too, right? Um, so I just, I don't know, I just kind of followed it and, and went with it. I hope that helped. Thank you, Pete. Our final question for the morning comes from Freya H. Good morning. It's Freya H., Recovered Compulsive Eater Bulimic in Colorado. Thank you so much for the presentation this morning. My question is kind of related to the last question, but just curious, based on your experience, strength, and hope, um, having recovery, strong recovery in one area, and then um, being aware that there's other things that need to be addressed. What would you, you know, what would you offer to somebody who is, um, who's struggling with, you know, more than one addiction and wondering what direction to go in terms of addressing it? Uh, great question. I understand it completely. Um, I was there, uh, like, which one is right, you know? Um, like for me, um, at this point, at this point, uh, there are certain areas in my life that are a lot more, um, I just, I just, which one is kicking my butt? Like, for instance, I, I you know, and I've worked with other people that, that, that come to me or whatever, and they say, you know, I, I'm a this and I'm also a that, and I, Okay, which one is kicking your tail first? Which okay, which of these substances right now, if you had to put something into your body that's gonna immediately make you feel better that, that you feel you're gonna go to, which one is it? And then they'll say whatever that is, and I'm like, Okay, then that's where you probably need to start, if that helps. Um I don't have there's a there's a ton of people that, you know, that have well, I shouldn't say a ton, but there there have been people that have come come to me that have a problem in an area that I don't have experience with, um, and I'm like, well, maybe I can refer. You, I mean, I can look and see if, if I know someone who's recovered in that area that I can direct them to. 
But if I don't have experience myself in that area, I'm not going to be able to identify um, the nuances and stuff of what that looks like. That's the same way, like in my other fellowship, these people weren't compulsive overeaters in their mind, as long as you're not taking that particular substance that they abstain from, then you're good, you know, you know, and in a way, you know, there are certain substances that, that, that have, I guess, a lot more consequences on the outside than, than maybe food does. But that that wasn't my problem, right? So when I came when I came you know, to OA or whatever, what was kicking my tail at the time was my obsession and compulsion to overeat and my mental obsession over weight and stuff like that, regardless of the fact that I had worked all the 12 steps in this other fellowship, had established a relationship with God. It was being revealed to me that this was an area I needed some healing in. And so in talking with my wonderfully humble uh sponsor who is in the other fellowship you know she wasn't she she understands she doesn't have all the answers she's not god you know and we make use of what other people have to offer right and so it was like she's like go for it is that your real reliance is on god not on people and if this is this is what you need this is what you need to do and so i did um so i i think that I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Freya H., for your question. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you so much, Shanna, for such a powerful story of transformation, truly inspiring and moving. Appreciate all that you gave to us this morning. The sheer ID for Shanna C.'s presentation this morning, 18,151. That's 18151. We're going to close now from page 164 in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.